This is episode number 82 with Liz Bailey. Welcome everybody to the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. I am your host, Ryan McGuire. This is a podcast where each week I will bring you a guest or a message to help you along your own pursuit of happiness. Everyone's pursuit of happiness looks a little different, so topics range from mental health, diet, nutrition, adventure, relationships, or talking with an expert that has an inspiring story to help all of us overcome our struggles and pursue our own happiness. And on this episode, I get to sit down with Raleigh's own Elizabeth Bailey, who explores her happiness on the weekends. It makes complete sense her Instagram is wandering on the weekends as well as her website because that's exactly what she does. She grinds the nine to five in her office every Monday through Friday so she can get on a plane and go explore America's great national parks about every other weekend. I'm still absolutely amazed on how she's made this happen. Her and her husband started exploring the national parks during COVID less than two years ago, and she's already hit up 41 national parks with some repeats mixed in there. Now, if you know anything about the national parks and that much travel, you know damn well she is racking up some crazy mileage to do that. So not only do I ask her a lot of questions about the national parks, her favorites, perhaps least favorites, best hikes, most underrated parks, I also ask her a lot of questions about her travel, airlines, credit cards, credit card points and miles, and how she gets to all of these places. And of course, I had to ask her how in the world she makes working a nine to five in the office work with this lifestyle. And as you can imagine, that comes with a lot of sacrifices and we go over that as she prioritizes what really makes her happy. I honestly don't know whether to be inspired and motivated by her story or absolutely exhausted, but either way, it sounds like a ton of fun. And I promise, after you hear her story, you will have zero excuses not to get out there and go explore for at least one weekend out of the year. If she can do 41 parks in two years, you can get off your butt and start exploring yourself. So without further ado, here is Liz Bailey, of wandering on the weekends. Liz, so we going by Liz or Elizabeth? Either works for me. Okay, I was gonna say, I'm getting getting mixed messages with some of your social media and website stuff. So we will go with Liz, why not? So I see you have Rocky Mountain and Zion in the back. Why those two specifically? Yes. So Rocky Mountain was our first park that we ever went to, um, first national park. So it's kind of special in my heart, our hearts, my husband's office, but you know, it's my decor. Um, And then we haven't hit our last one yet. So that will be our last one when we get to it. But for now, it's kind of one of our favorite hikes that we've ever done. Zion. Zion. So you did Angel's Landing? Oh, yeah. Did it uh, last November. Oh, yeah. I only did half of it because I was like, I ain't going no more. It got a little steep for me. So I was like, nah, it's okay. (laughs) It was, yeah, it was challenging. Um, Thankfully, we went on like a Tuesday morning. We hit the first bus. So we got there at a good time. It was still like really, really nice weather. And there was Mm -hmm. no one on the trail. 
So nice. wow. eased a lot of my concerns. So correct me if I'm wrong, but with Angel's Landing, I think you have to get a like a permit now ahead of time, right? Yeah. So it's permit-based, which in my eyes is a great thing because I know the danger is going into that hike. But yeah, mm. it's permit-based. You apply a couple months in advance um, and through like recreation.gov where you get most uh, reservations from. Okay. okay. So did you have to do that for when you went? I did not. So that started earlier this year. I think it was April 1st was the first day of reservations. Um, So we did November of last year, thankfully. Got there ahead of time. Okay. Yeah. Because I was wondering, um, you know, if the chances were good when you applied still good to go, if it was kind of like a 50-50 toss up. So. As far as I heard, a lot of people get it. Um, and I'm pretty sure that the day before, if say you go on a spontaneous trip, you can also apply for day before permits. And I think they probably release like 10, 15% of them. Okay. And so this is just purely for angels landing, not to get into Zion. Yeah. Just okay. purely for angels landing. There's a couple hikes there. I want to say that in the subway trail, you need permits for, um, okay. Other than that, no permits. I know last year they did permits to get onto the shuttle, um, but that was due to COVID-related things, just having less people interacting um, with drivers and such. But that's not a thing as of this year yet. Okay. And uh, yeah, first and foremost, here we are talking like long lost friends here <laughs> and uh, and neighbors because we are in a way, which literally. is... Yeah. So I just literally, I took a walk briefly and I'm like still sweating. It is just scorching hot outside. It is, uh, I can do without this. And I see you're from the Northeast as well. Yeah. So um, you're from Connecticut, right? I'm from Connecticut. Yeah. Born and raised, lived there until I went to college. So I went to college in North Carolina, stayed after graduating and have been in Raleigh since. Nice. What, What part of Raleigh? I'm curious now. So I live uh, in right on the Cary side, okay. right by PNC Arena. Okay. Yep. So just a few years ago, I lived probably five minutes away. Okay. <laughs> so, great. What part of do you live in? Go figure. So I live just north of Briar Creek. I'm technically in Durham, um, okay. but like I could throw a baseball and pretty much hit hit Briar Creek there. So yeah, uh, yeah familiar with the area. I work in Morrisville, so not. Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. I moved to the RTP area just over two years ago, just before COVID hit and, uh, been here since I guess it was a good time to buy a house before everything started getting crazy. I would say so. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And so what part of Connecticut are you from? So Southern shoreline area around New Haven, Fairfield, right smack in the middle of that. So pizza capital of the world, pizza capital pizza. of America, not yeah. the world. Um, yeah, so I'm from right around Connecticut, uh, the New Haven part of Connecticut. Okay. And my family lives up there still. So brothers, okay. parents, all of the above. Is that near Old Line Beach by any chance? Probably about an hour. Okay. There. Yes. Okay. I had a, I had a couple years of my life in Connecticut up in okay. the uh, Bristol area. Not much happening up there, but uh yeah, I used to uh, used to spend some nights out in West Hartford, which is a beautiful place. Yeah. Um, occasionally went down to Old Lime Beach to uh, get some rays and not ride any waves. There is no wave, <laughs> no waves there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think you made a really solid move down to North Carolina. Um, I think you would agree with that. So congrats on staying down here. <laughs> Thanks. 
I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we got connected. I think a few people that I follow also follow you and, uh, we have very similar passions and what you do makes a hell of a lot of sense to be on my podcast. And so you are known as wandering on the weekends, which makes a lot of sense. And you have a hell of an Instagram, which, you know, um, we can speak offline if you would like and how you built that up so well, you've done a really good job with that. So anybody, for anybody listening, um, in the show notes, I'm going to link your Instagram, but, uh, yeah, go ahead and, and follow you. Um, you have some beautiful photos and obviously been in some beautiful locations and we'll continue to do so. But I want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself and how you came up with Wandering on the Weekends. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so not even two years ago, we went to our first national park, which is Rocky Mountain National Park. Um, it was during the pandemic and we kind of needed a place to go get out of the house and we decided to just go into nature. Meanwhile, I'm not a huge hiker. I wasn't a huge hiker beforehand, but it was the easy route to, you know, be active and also explore the world, but be cautious and safe at the same time. Um, so we kind of started out by hiking a little, enjoying the world, enjoying the country. Um, and from there, we kind of made a pact to go to all the national parks after our first one a couple years ago. Um, so I work a full time job, nine to five on site. I am on site every single day, Monday through Friday. And I kind of had to fit in all of our travels while working a nine to five. So I did not realize you were on site. I guess I kind of assumed that you would have been working remote, which would make this a hell of a lot easier. I did not know that. Yeah, you would think. Um, yeah, no, I am 100% on site 100% of the time. I do not work remote like one or once or twice a year when my boss lets me if I'm like traveling or my flight gets canceled. But other than that, I am fully on site 100% of the time. Wow. Okay. So less than two years ago, was your first trip to a national park. Yes. How many national parks have you been to as of today? 41 parks out of the 63. In less than two years. And you work full time. Yes. Okay. This is exactly why you were on here. Cause I don't, I don't even understand how the hell that has happened. Um, yeah. Okay. Explain. You have some explaining to do. It's a whirlwind. Seriously. Um, a lot of precision, a lot of late nights looking at flights, a lot of early morning drives, a lot of late night flights, um, you name it, we've done it. Uh, a lot of joining trips together so that we can hit things all at once, taking advantage of long weekends, utilizing PTO to the max, maybe above the max um, a little bit. Seriously, yeah, it's just being cognizant of my weekends and how I spend the time away from work. Okay. So what does like a normal weekend look like? Because I'm sitting here, I'm wondering like, do you have enough time to cover these parks or is it just like to hit it and to come back? Is that your goal or do you ever feel like you're kind of missing up because you're just not there long enough? So a little bit of both. There has been part, there have been parks where we've stayed like Zion, we stayed for four days, um, just over a long weekend. And that was one of the ones that we knew for sure we needed to spend a lot of time. Um, but then you have parks like Gateway Arch, that's a couple hours of your day, or Indiana 
conditions that we hit when we were in Chicago because it's, you know, the beaches and a couple hikes here and there. So like there are some that you can hit in a day um, and that you can join together with other trips. And then there are some that we spend multiple days in. So like, for example, outside of Fresno, California, you can hit Sequoia, Kings Canyon and Yosemite all in one weekend. And we chose to do Sequoia and Kings Canyon in one day. We sure didn't hit everything, every single hike that we wanted to do, but we spent pretty much the entire day in the park and then two days in Yosemite. And of course, that's not enough time to hit Yosemite. Two months isn't enough time to hit all of Yosemite. But, you know, just utilizing your time that way of like, what is the most you want to see? And we can go back. We can always go back. So they're not cross-off parks. They're more of, let's see the big things, stay there for a couple days and then have time for later. So I'm doing the math in my head and less than two years, let's just say it's two years, the 52 weeks, which is 104 weeks ish, we'll say a hundred, you've been to 41 national parks. So would you say just about every other weekend or perhaps every third weekend you're hopping on a flight going somewhere? That's correct. Yep. Last summer we did everything, every other weekend to the T this summer it's every other weekend. <laughs> Oh my God. There's so many questions I have. Um, <laughs> holy shit. Uh, so yeah, there's, like I said, there's a million questions going through my head right now. So what does it usually look like? Are you flying out on like a Friday night and you coming back on like a Sunday night? That's exactly correct. So um, I have a really great work schedule where in the summers they do every other Friday off if I'm able to work nine hours like a Monday through Friday, Monday through Thursday, and then I can get a Friday off at the end. So usually it's you leave as soon as I get out of work on Thursday night, have all day Friday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, maybe take a red eye Sunday night, land in Raleigh on a Monday morning and go straight to work type thing. It is just nonstop. Are you exhausted? Exhausted. (laughs) Yeah. So, but you're exhausted, but obviously the both of you is well worth it. Yeah. It's so worth it. I mean, it's just life experiences, you know, and that's the thing when we're in Raleigh, we can still sleep and, you know, settle in our house and enjoy friends during the weekdays. Like there is some give and take, but at the end of the day, like you, anything that you can do in a weekend here in Raleigh, you can also do on a weeknight. I love it. I love it. If this isn't inspiring, I don't know what is. There's just, you're not, you don't make any excuses. You're like, let's just book it. Let's go do it. Do it. Yeah. Um, so what happens if like you have flight issues, which happens all the time to me? I don't know about oh, yeah. for you. Oh no, it happens. Um, I know we were in Florida last year and our flight got canceled on the late Sunday night and our next flight wasn't out till Tuesday night. Oh wow! And my work thankfully is extremely flexible when it comes to that and allowed me to work from home. I bring my computer everywhere. God forbid we have flight problems, any issues with that. It happens, you know, um, sometimes I'll take emails on the weekends. If things come up, it's just life, you know, and I'm very cognizant that, work is important in people's lives and it is important in mine. Um, so I do make time for that. And if things come up, flight issues, delays, it happens. And I adjust accordingly. Can I make, uh, an assumption here that you Go don't have, you do not have any pets and you do not have any kids. I do not have any kids. We do not have children, but I do have a pet. Um, we have a five-year-old golden doodle who's sitting at my feet right now. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yes. My dogs are the hardest part of me traveling by far. So you must have a really good pet sitter or some kind of family or something. 
Yeah, so we have awesome friends in Raleigh. I give them all the credit in the world. Um, I live in an amazing neighborhood that's full of young people and we all have bought uh, dogs. So we flip-flop around every weekend. Like you can have my dog this weekend and I'll have your dog next weekend type thing, which has been so amazing. Um, she comes with us to any park that we can drive to. Mm -hmm. So she's been to four national parks with us so far. Some don't allow dogs. So we are very cognizant of that. But she comes to the ones that we can drive to. Um, and she hikes with us if she can, which is great. So for people who are listening that have dogs that want to know which parks you've been to that allow them, which ones were they? Yeah. So coming from the Raleigh area, the ones that we've driven to and taken the dog, um, Shenandoah is a great one. And that's in Virginia, Shenandoah National Park, Congaree National Park in South Carolina. Um, we've driven to Cuyahoga Valley National Park in Ohio. It's definitely a distance, but it's possible if you wanted to take your dog to a national park. And um, we've taken her to New River Gorge National Park in West Virginia. Okay. So those are the best dog friendly parks in the area. You have the Smoky Mountains in North Carolina, Tennessee border, but it is not as dog friendly. Um, there's only a couple trails. So when we went, we did leave her. Okay. Um, that was close. Yeah. I, I, one of my goals, I guess you can say is I don't know if I'll do it, but I would love to bring my dogs to Acadia up in Maine. I do know that's a dog friendly park, but that is a freaking hell of a drive, especially with the dogs. So we'll see yeah. about that. <laughs> Yes, I will say there were so many dogs. I've been a couple times now to Acadia and nice. so many dogs when we were there, which is amazing. I love seeing dogs on the trails and, you know, people getting their families out there and active. What are your thoughts on Acadia? Loved Acadia. One of our favorite parks. Hmm. Um, so I went once with my husband, once um, with one of my girlfriends and it they both were amazing. Just overall great parks, super easy, just due to the fact that everything is kind of in one central location, um, one central road that takes you to all of the areas. You have beautiful ocean views, but also mountains that look over the oceans. Um, it's great. Yeah, that's a, it's a very high on my, on my to-do list for sure. Well, I want to get to the parks here momentarily. I want to go back to the flights here. Yeah. Um, I like to ask all these details, seeing as someone I like to travel and fly. Do you have uh, an airline that you like to stick with? Or is it just kind of mix and match, whatever works? The fact that we travel just on the rip sometimes, we do not have loyalty to an airline right now. Given the fact that Raleigh is not a hub of any specific airline, um, pretty much every airline is here. You know, we kind of go with whatever works best for our schedule, whatever flights are the latest on a Thursday night or a Friday night and whatever, you know, red eyes we can take on a Sunday. Uh, so no, not necessarily. Of course, I like to stay with like a Delta or a Southwest. Those are my go-tos. But are they the only ones? Nope. And have we've taken, you know, flights one place and on our way home, we've taken a different airline. Um, just due to you know, cost or due to timing with them. Okay. And now do you have any credit cards that allows you to travel with points or miles? Oh yes, definitely. And that is like my biggest tip for people wanting to get traveling, get a travel credit card. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. Capital One's Venture X is my go-to right now. It is amazing. Um, one of the biggest perks for me is when uh, they tell you to buy a flight so you can track flights and they tell you when the best price is. And if the price gets lower than that and you book, they'll refund you the difference that you missed out on saving that money. 
Really? That is awesome. Such an awesome perk. You get 10% back on hotels, 10% back on rental cars, 5% on flights, 2% on everything else, and plus priority pass. So, you know, those big fancy lounges in all the airports, you get access to them. Holy it's, shit. What's the yeah. annual fee on that? I think it's four ninety five something around those, but they give you a three hundred dollar airline credit when you signed up. Um, they gave us like a two hundred dollar Airbnb credit, so right there paid for our entire year, and we didn't wow. have to do anything. It was a no brainer. It still is. Okay, wow. So, is that for any airlines or some specific airlines? Any airlines, for my knowledge, probably not Southwest because they um, right. are not affiliated with Hopper, which is what Capital One is affiliated with. Uh, but for the most part, any airlines, I mean, it is super convenient just being able to say, hey, I want to go to Seattle this year. Here are the weekends that I'm free. And then maybe like once a week, they'll email me saying, here's the flight right now. We suggest you wait to book. And then when it's time to book, they're like, this is the best price we think you'll see. That's you know, awesome. We'll keep trending it. So if you buy it, we'll refund you the difference. That is awesome. So mm-hmm. I will say I have a Southwest card, which I've had for about a decade. I have a Delta Amex Platinum card. And in February, I signed up for a Chase Sapphire preferred card. Yeah. Um, however, so here's the deal. Like Southwest, I'm a fan. I just hop on Southwest flights all the time. Usually pretty cheap from Raleigh. Um, still have a bunch of points. I'll probably keep that one. The Delta one, I have so many miles on it, but I'm saving it for a trip to New Zealand. And with that, you get the BOGO and I'll get a companion to, to bring with you once a year. But I'm honestly not a huge fan of that because it costs the card costs 250, which is okay, fine. But when you do the BOGO, it actually increases the price of the ticket, which kind of is like disappointing because you just go check out when you're not signed in. And it's like, oh, that's a good price. And then you sign in and apply the certificate to it. It's like, why did this just go up a hundred dollars? That's uh-huh. that's kind of bogus. And then you have to pay like sixty or seven dollars seventy dollars worth of taxes and fees on top of that. So it ends up being like an extra 150. It's like that's not really BOGO. So I'm probably going to use my miles and then just cancel that card. And then the Chase Sapphire, I did a lot of research on that one. And I like that because it was applying points and credits to multiple different airlines, multiple different hotels. Um, so we really like that. But I, I will look into the Capital One Venture X that you said. That sounds like a really good deal. It is. And it's a newer card that Capital One came out with maybe last year, I want to say. Okay. Um, so really good perks to start off with. Did you see this would make perfect sense for you? So it might be laid out, but it might come back. Did you see last February Southwest had the, get the credit card and you get a companion pass for the, for the next like year, two years or whatever. You saw that. Yeah. Did you think about it? I did. Of course I did. Yes. And it was like, <laughs> Oh, you can get a hundred thousand miles as well. It was like this huge, amazing deal. Yes. 100%. Um, absolutely thought of it just did not pull the trigger on Didn't it pull the trigger yeah i love <laughs> southwest as an airline i know people have their mixed opinions on it due to the fact that you can't pick seats and there's no first class or business class mm-hmm. um, those things don't bother me in any way shape or form yeah i'm here for a flight i'm not here for a party you seem really easy going i mean if you're flying red eyes you're just hopping on planes going left and right getting back whenever i mean it seems like you're probably a really easygoing traveler to begin with. So 
you're you're my kind of people to travel with. That's for sure. (laughs) Just wing it. I'm not an easygoing traveler. You are not. Just say that right now. No. Wow. Like I I did not picture one because you're just taking these crazy flights, and two, like people who go to national parks can usually kind of rough it. They might camp it a little bit. You know, they don't they don't require too much. But you are actually saying the opposite. I will call myself out, and I am not like this picture perfect person. No, I am like very structured. Everything, my schedule is down to the minute pretty much when I make itineraries for our trips. We are not campers, so we definitely do not rough it. Um, I'm with you. I'm actually I'm just really structured. with you. That's all. So we get off on a flight and I make sure I have enough time to get to work. But yes, I wouldn't call myself easygoing and that's just making <laughs> myself out now. <laughs> I'm hey, I'm with you. Um, so my fiance Kristen will camp anywhere. She's like, let's get a camper, let's go camping, let's do whatever. I'm more of uh I kind of want to sleep well, especially if I'm on a trip or vacation. And especially if it's gonna be an active trip, it's like I want to sleep well and then feel energized for the next day to, to be active. That's yeah. my excuse. <laughs> but uh oh, yeah, she'll definitely she'll rough it with the best of them. Um, the um I'm I'm kind of with you, honestly. Yeah. Um we do not camp. We do not tent. Um, we are not those. We are not those type of national park travelers. So, is there any tips and tricks for anybody who's I want to say looking to go at your pace for, but perhaps somebody who's trying to get to what you're doing? As far as we'll just go as far as like flights for now. Is there any tips? Yeah, just definitely know where you want to go. Um, that's my biggest thing. You know, airlines will take you anywhere. You just have to know where you want to go. Um, set reminders for yourself. I look at flights a couple times a week and just seeing, you know, what are the best seasons to go? If there's a shoulder season, that flights might be cheaper. Are there, you know, times of the day that might be better to fly into a city, depending on traffic, depending on commutes, things of that sort. But just know where you want to go and research the area of booking flights um, and it'll help you a lot, especially knowing where you want to go in association with when you land. So say you want to go to Badlands National Park and you fly into Rapid City, you know, how far is the distance from there? You know, are you going right after the flight? Is it in a city where you can grab a rental car? Just like being cognizant of the area and, you know, flight times associated with that area. Uh, that's what I was going to ask you. So I imagine when you land, for the most part, you're grabbing a rental car, right? Yep. Yes, you've really got a plan for traveling to these places because national parks aren't really known to be next to airports. (laughs) So, (laughs) exactly, a lot of airports don't have rental cars. You know, if you land at eleven thirty at night, so you have to be cognizant of that too. If you're not flying into the largest city in the state, can I ask you? Like, rental cars must rack up your bill like a lot, right? Because cars are one, they're going out last year. They were so scarce that anywhere we traveled was just insane. And now you got gas prices going crazy. Is this, is, is that something you seriously consider when going to a place? It 100% is. Um, thankfully the company that I work for has a partnership with Hertz. So I do get a little bit of a corporate discount when we do travel, um, but places like Alaska, they don't care about corporate discounts because they can charge whatever they want to charge. So you're spending a couple thousand dollars a week just on a rental car, not including gas in that area. So it's a huge, huge thing to consider when you're budgeting for a trip. Um, Same with smaller airports, regional airports. They don't care about your corporate memberships. (laughs) You know, they can charge what they want. Small airports, no one's 
to do business. So um, they could charge what they want. And it is, it's, it's a price. Yeah. So you brought up Alaska. Is this from your own experience or this is from what you're hearing? So we have a trip booked for Alaska in August of this year. We're going out there for 13 days, 12, 13 days. Um, And I've gone through the process of flights there, rental cars, lodging, all of the above. So I'm very keen on the pricing around Alaska right now. I'm sure you know exactly (laughs) what you're doing, but if you needed any assistance, one, I can help you. And two, I actually recorded a podcast with my fiance. We did the same thing last end of August. So if that would be of any assistance to you or anybody listening, feel free to go check that out. It was, uh, we spent seven days in Alaska. We drove over 1600 miles, which is crazy. And you are 100% correct with the rental car. It was terrible. I imagine there's way more of a selection this year. Last year was like people were renting U-Hauls just to be able to travel from one place to another. It was just absolutely insane. Yeah. What, um, what are you looking forward to the most in Alaska? Ooh, a lot. Um, I think the parks, so we're doing five parks while we're out there and the park that I'm, I know (laughs) five out of the eight. So the park that I'm most looking forward to is probably Katmai to see the bears. Did you go? I did not go. That's like the one thing it was like, it's not that we skipped it. It's just, we crammed in as much as yeah. possible. So hopefully at some point I would like to go back. I, I would love to do that. Yeah. I think that's what I'm most looking forward to. It's definitely challenging to get out there. It's super remote. You know, you need to take small little planes slash boats, potentially if you go that route to just to get there and there's little to no lodging, their lodging is on a permit system that's done the year before. Um, so it is, it's a lot of planning and, very remote, but seems to be worth it. So I'm definitely the most excited for that park this year. And the wildlife that's, I mean, it's for real. There is wildlife everywhere. You're just driving around you're like, well, there's a moose and the moose are everywhere. We didn't see a bear. Um, I guess that's a good thing, <laughs> but uh, didn't see a bear. We heard a pack of wolves, which is pretty incredible. Um, we saw the Northern lights three times in a row, which was awesome. What um, months did you go in? The very end of August, beginning of September. That's incredible. Yeah. So when will you be there? The very end of August. There you go. That gives me a lot of hope because I didn't even know the Northern Lights were visibly present at that time. Of the year. Yeah. So after the summer solstice, which is coming up in a week, um, the days will get shorter, shorter, shorter. And it, 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 it gets shorter faster. Like around here, like it's like a minute a day up there it's like three to four minutes a day so by the end of august it starts to get dark around 9 30 ish 10 o'clock and you have to stay up late but then you can definitely see them i don't know where were you do you know where you will be by the time the end of august is is that planned yet yeah so in alaska we'll be around the anchorage area and for a few days we're going to be in seward so Okay. So it'll be a little more difficult to see them down there. Your best yeah. bet is to be up near Denali and Healy. Fairbanks is like the capital of the Northern Lights. Um, it's a hell of a hike, honestly, to get up there. But if by any chance you could hang around or if you were in Denali and or the Healy, the Healy is like 10 minutes, 15 minutes north of Denali. Okay. In that area, that's a, that's where we saw them a few nights in a row. So I, you can definitely do it there. 
mental notes. That is yes. great information to know because that is on both mine and my husband's bucket list. This yes. Season. Yes. And I actually saw them think five years ago now, four or five years ago, I saw them in Iceland as well. And now, as you probably know, we fly direct from Raleigh to Iceland. So I highly recommend hopping on that flight one of these days. <laughs> yes, it's definitely on our list. Iceland is huge on our list once we go international. Yeah. Hell yeah. I am really, I'm excited. I'm really excited for you to go to Alaska. That is super <laughs> exciting. Um, like I said, if, if you need any suggestions or anything that, you know, things that we did that we enjoyed or perhaps some things to stay away from, we're more than happy to tell you the food in our opinion was subpar. So I'm just going to put that out there. So be aware food is, <laughs> food is fun to experiment with when you travel. It wasn't the greatest and it was also very expensive. So okay. just, just something to put out there. I, um, by all means, I'm definitely not even close to on your level whatsoever, but I've had my fair share of national parks. I think I'm doing okay, but, uh, yeah, not even close to where, where what you're is your at. Count? That's what I don't know. I don't even know. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't know. You'd have to give me a list, but it's, it's probably at this point, anywhere between 12 and 15 or so. That's awesome. Um, yeah, not too bad. I've definitely hit a lot in the last five or six years and I was doing it before COVID, but I will say traveling during COVID, obviously you want to do it as safe as possible, especially when it was going crazy and people yeah. were really unsure, but I'm telling you when you got to where you wanted to be, it was the greatest experience I've ever had traveling because there was nobody there, peace and quiet. You wanted that picture that you see on Instagram with a thousand people in it, but there's nobody in it. It was like mm -hmm. traveling during COVID was the greatest thing. And I'm kind of starting to miss it, honestly. <laughs> I agree. Flight prices were amazing as well. Yep. Yep. Have um it's just reminding me. So just a few days ago, I booked a trip to go back to Boise in the Sawtooth Mountains in Idaho with my fiance. And that was a trip that I took during COVID by myself. And it was one of the most fun trips I've ever had. What a freaking beautiful place. People who listen to this are like, this guy talks about Idaho all the time. <laughs> <laughs> People are laughing, not just you. Um, I know it's. Um, I will have to put you in contact with some friends I made with this podcast, Adventures of A Plus K. They they have, they live in a van, and travel all over the country. They're in Alaska right now, actually filming and and whatnot. Um, they put me on to Idaho, and it is just stunning. So we're going back to Boise, back to the Sawtooth in October. Cannot wait. But yeah, taking that trip in the middle of COVID was just one of a kind that was so lovely and, the, and even like rental car prices were super cheap everything was super cheap and everything's just way out of hand it's the complete opposite which makes uh traveling that much more difficult um just out of curiosity there's probably people that are listening to like okay i want to travel but you know i can't really afford it um you know just don't have the money inflation's going up gas is going up stuff like that um can you talk about perhaps that aspect? Is there anything like sacrifices that you've made or is there any tips where you can say, hey, maybe you can save here or look into saving there? Absolutely. We make sacrifices all the time to be able to afford traveling as much as we do. And whether that's, you know, not eating out as much or not furnishing our house immediately as soon as we bought it a couple of years ago, you know, those small things add up. Um, also just being 
cognizant of when you're flying. You know, shoulder seasons are really a thing. We're going to Glacier on the shoulder season of September. You know, prices are lower. Who wants to fly to Montana in the middle of September? Um, hotels are lower. Who wants to be in Montana in the middle of September? I Things do. like that. <laughs> I, I, actually, do. I actually have been. I've been with, I'm with my birthday in the middle of September, like four years ago. I was like, awesome. yeah, I'm going yeah. back. Hell yeah. Right. We, we're the same way. So we travel on which saves us a lot of money. It also saves us a lot of heartache with people being there um, because people think national parks are a summer thing and they're not. We've Mm -hmm. actually gone through a lot of national parks in winter and they are just as beautiful. You know, maybe you're hiking through a little bit of snow or a rainy season, or maybe the leaves are changing, which is even more beautiful. Um, So be cognizant of shoulder seasons. Those are a real thing when it comes to parks. Another thing is my top, top recommendation is find friends that also like to travel. The amount of money you're going to save on rental cars, lodging and gas is unreal. You know, you're cutting the cost down if you're with another couple or a couple friends, you know, almost half, if not exactly half. Um, It's a huge thing. You have more experiences just with other people. They potentially bring an extra side of the travel that you wouldn't think of. Um, So be cautious of that or join groups that have travel people in the area. I know Raleigh, there's a group of hiking girls that always get together. You know, you can travel with people like that Um, and be mindful of just spending while you're out there. You know, you don't have to go out to eat every single time you go on a trip. We get a lot of Airbnbs, so you can go to the grocery store and make food in-house, you know, have cocktails in the house and then, you know, go walk around. We bring Summit beers to the trails all the time. Like it's possible to save money while you're traveling and not eating out because that is a huge cost. Huge. That's a real, that's the, that's a real thing. But yeah. thankfully I'm uh, I travel, I'm getting married to somebody who loves to cook and she brings bento boxes <laughs> full of snacks on the plane. And then we would get there. We usually hit up a grocery store and she's cooking at night, which, you know, costs 15, 20 bucks. You go out to dinner. It's like a lot of these national park places are in beautiful cities and it gets really expensive. It, it adds up really quick. The, um, the shoulder season is a really, really great tip for sure. Um, I've definitely gone to some beautiful places in shoulder season. The last one I went to was uh, Jackson hole, Wyoming, which one beautiful place. The Tetons are awesome. But the one thing I want people to be aware of is when you do going these season during these seasons, it's confirmed that the places perhaps you want to visit and or eat at or whatever is open. Cause a lot of times with it being like off ski season, they'll like take off like a month, all the workers would just be gone and there's nothing there. So confirm that's cool with you. If you're out hiking, it doesn't affect you at all. If you're like, Hey, I want to experience like the food and the atmosphere. You might not get that as much because uh, yeah, when we were in Jackson hole, it was like, where are we going to go to eat? And we, we would just be stopped at these places. So like, there's nothing open. Everything that people told me to go try is not open. So it's kind of the pro and the con, but you are saving a boatload of money. If you're, if you're going before, before those uh, like the big ski seasons and stuff like that, if you can hit that up October, November, you're going to save a boatload of money. Yeah. That's um, a great point. Of having, you know, some restaurants are closed and that is a very, very, very big thing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're talking about national parks here, which is one of my favorite, favorite things to talk about. What would you say has been your favorite national park out of the 41 that you visited? And sorry to put you on the spot. I'm sure it's hard to choose, but I got to know. 
it's not a hard decision, um, wow. which is crazy to say. But as of right now, it's Mount Rainier in Washington State. Um, hands down, it's actually top of our list for myself and my husband. Just due to the fact that there's like glacial lakes, there's wildflower meadow, meadows, but you also have the mountain views and the mountain view. You have wildlife all over. It's just an amazing experience in, to nature. You have everything you could possibly want right there. What is the national park that you've been to with the best trails? Ooh, with the best trails. Zion probably has the mm. best trails uh, and they are extremely well uh, documented, marked, documented. You know, you have your shuttle bus that takes you to specific trails at specific times. Um, there is a lot of knowledge around the trails associated with Zion and they're all incredible and give you these canyon views. Probably my favorite for trails. I would agree with Zion's got some magnificent, very, very popular trails. I'd be curious to ask you this question after you get back from Glacier to see if that perhaps tops Zion or competes with Zion because they have some magnificent, beautiful trails, but the scenery is obviously just different. Zion's just yeah. it's majestic red rock and cliffs and all that stuff, whereas Montana's obviously the beautiful glaciers and the blue waters and stuff. So just completely different. I'll have um, to touch base after. Oh, we'd love to. Yeah. And then <laughs> as, as I mentioned to you off, off chat and then on Instagram, I'm going to Glacier myself in a month and a half. So um, can't wait. I, I can't wait to go back. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of trips happening for both of us here coming up and it's just, it's super exciting. You're probably very much like me where it's like, I have to have a trip planned in order to be like you know like i have to have a, a goal something to look forward to and i have like five right now and you probably taught me with that <laughs> i agree with that i always need to have something lined up in the near future that like gets me excited for another day mm -hmm. now i know we've gone over some of the best and we'll continue to do that but there's probably people wondering like is this park worth it do you have a park that was kind of like you know i'm glad i came but this might be a little subpar I definitely have a few of those. Um, and it's just due to the sole fact that I'm more of a nature person um, rather than maybe a history person in sometimes. Um, so Gateway Arch in St. Louis is more of a national monument to me than a national park, but it was designated as a national park um, a couple of years back. That was a little subpar just due to the fact that there's not much except for a museum and an arch. Um, so that is one of the ones I would say worth it to go check out, but definitely not to make a huge trip out of it. We actually hit that as a layover going to one, another park, which is super convenient. We had a four hour layover in St. Louis. We grabbed an Uber, went to the park, spent an hour or two there, got some St. Louis barbecue and went back to the airport, you know, awesome. what you needed. yeah. Um, savvy. Yes. Uh, another park I would say was Indiana Dunes outside of Chicago. Uh, it was a national lakeshore um, up until a couple years ago, and that's what it is. It's a lakeshore. There are some trails, um, but not much signage around the area. You're not really getting into the nature aspect of it. You're walking across a couple bogs, um, but you're mostly it's a beach, and it's a beautiful beach at that. But that's what it is, you know, and it's a little subpar compared to places like Glacier or Mount Rainier. It's just whatever you kind of like your 
national park experience to be. Mm -hmm. Is there any others or is that pretty much it for now? Um, We went to Virgin Islands National Park a couple months back and we thought that we were going to fall in love with it just due to the beautiful beaches and the wildlife that everybody claims to see. And it was a little bit less of an experience for us just due to the fact um, that it's very remote and inaccessible, uh, and you're you know taking ferries over to get to an island, and then taking taxis when you get there, and then you're paying to get into the national parks, and it's not calling the national park service a sellout. But then you have these like tiki bars on the beach of the national park where you're kind of spending like twenty dollars for a half a sandwich. You know, it was mm-hmm. kind of like a is this a national park and why is this a national park? Um, that was definitely a little bit of a subpar experience for yeah. us. When you I, see the beautiful beaches in the Caribbean. I can see that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody would complain being in the Virgin Islands, but at the same <laughs> time, but the, the whole national park aspect of it, I completely understand where you're coming from to see it like kind of glorified and a little, little glitzy for what you think of for a national park. Yeah, um, definitely. I, like you pass by these resorts and people just like sunbathing on the beach, you know, you don't really get the history of it or the area and you don't like submerge, submerge yourself as much as you would at, at another national park. One place that I saw you've been to that I fell in love with, and honestly, it was between Idaho and this place when I was booking the trip is White Sands National Park. Uh, it's a national park now. When I went, it was a national monument. So I can say I've been to a national park there. And uh, I will say, I, I assume most people get the beautiful sunsets that we got because it probably doesn't rain a whole lot there. But yeah. my God, the sunsets there was just, oh, I'm, I don't think I'll ever see anything like that ever again in my life. What are your thoughts on that? So we didn't stay for sunset, unfortunately, um, but they look absolutely magnificent. We kind of went at that period where it was almost daylight savings time. So you were still able to see sunrise in the park since they are not a 24 hour park at 8 a.m. So you were still able to see a sunrise there. Um, But it was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful park. It was so sunny when we went there that we couldn't even open our eyes because of the reflection. But it was gorgeous. I mean, just like driving through that area is kind of like super desolate. Um, And then you get there and it's just white for as long as you can see forever. Like the roads are even like pretty much white just from the sand. It is gorgeous out there. And like such a cool background of, you know, also being a military site. Mm. And it closes for a lot of mornings throughout the weekdays. So be cognizant of that. But. Very and cool. one thing, one thing I do remember besides the beautiful sunsets, just 360 views was the silence, the silence of being out there. You hear nothing. It no. is just, it's for me to remember a lack of noise just <laughs> kind of gives you an, a perspective of how quiet, quiet really is out there. It is, uh, that's a place that was on my bucket list for the longest time, but it surpassed my expectations for sure. And speaking of surpassing expectations, is there a park that you went to is like, it kind of, it kind of blew you away. You were not expecting it to grab you like it did. Acadia is definitely one of those for me. Um, just having, you know, the first sunset of the United States every morning at certain parts of the morning or certain parts of the year was incredible to just watch the sunrise while you're hiking over the ocean. Um, 
it was just one of those parks where it was so peaceful and there's a lot of people that visited here and yet you don't feel overwhelmed by the park. It's so easy to get around. Uh, every view that you have is just absolutely gorgeous and the hikes aren't challenging. So you're able to do the harder hikes in the park and move on to the second hardest hike in the park back to back, which is so incredible to have. Um, and then you have Cadillac Mountain, which sunrise there is one of the best, you know, you have permits to get there just for, you know, 5 a.m. sunrise. So it surpassed every expectation that I had. Um, and I've been twice now. It is one of my favorite parks. You're making me really want to go. <laughs> I'm serious. Like I already really wanted to go and you just kind of talked it up even more. It's definitely, like I said, been very high on my list and it's starting to sneak a little higher. I would love to go there in the fall too. We're both familiar with the Northeast in the fall. It is a beautiful place in the fall. Yeah. Just when it turns November, December, that's kind of when you get out of there. <laughs> but, uh, Yes, I will say we went um, end of September the first time and nice. the weather was chilly, uh, but doable. And you have the town of Bar Harbor next door. And it is just this fun, bustling little town with shops and restaurants lining. And you have the marina and you could take ferry rides. We took a puffin ride out there oh, to go wow. see puffins. Certain times, there, you know, you can take whale watching tours. There's so much that you can do out there that you really can't do in most of the other national parks. Um, so it is just one of those places that I love. To that go. sounds like a lovely trip. Lovely trip. If we so Chris and I are actually getting married this year, and if we weren't getting married, I think we'd be doing a little, little more. We're already doing a lot, but uh, yeah. Acadia would probably be on that list somewhere. We're actually getting married in Sedona. Have you been to Sedona? Yes, have been to Sedona, and what's that? You got cut off. Been? I've been. I've been. She has not been. Okay. So. Sedona is absolutely amazing. We did Sedona as like a little one-off of one of our trips. Um, we had like an extra couple hours. One of our flights got in early to Phoenix and we were like, oh, we we're driving up to Flagstaff and we we're like, oh, we have a couple extra hours. Let's stop in Sedona. We literally left there so amazed that we rearranged the rest of our trip so that we can go back to Sedona and hike more. Hell yeah. It is <laughs> such a fun place. I went there like six or seven years ago and it was one of those things where it's just like, like I said, white sands, Boise glacier. Like there's just these places that kind of call you back. You're like, you, it just sticks with you. And Sedona is one of those places. So when we were looking at places to get married, we knew we did not want to do it in North Carolina. So we were looking at Glacier. We were looking at Sun Valley, Idaho. We were looking at Banff, Canada, which we really wanted to do. But to cross the border during COVID was when we were, when we were planning, this was just going to be a, what a mess. We, we couldn't, you know, you couldn't rely on that. So Sedona came into play and uh, got, an, got an amazing resort for an amazing price. And we're not looking back. So really excited. That's about that. Amazing. What a gorgeous area. That's going to be so fun. Such a special experience out there. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I'm really excited. Really, really excited about that. But let's, let's get back to you here. Um, <laughs> but like I said, we can talk national parks and trips all day long. I love talking this. Yeah. Um, I'm genuinely curious have you ever had to use bear spray in any of your trips? I have not. I have not. I have actually not hiked in Grizzly Bear County yet. Which, it's common for you in Montana. Yeah, it's, it's coming common. for me, Montana, Alaska. I mean, I am just getting 
hit this year with that. Um, so personally, no, I haven't. Um, we've seen plenty of black bears in the area, especially, I mean, you go to Asheville and you see those quite frequently in the Blue Ridge Parkway. Um, but I have not yet seen a grizzly in the wild or had to use bear spray or even had to be in the vicinity of one to use bear spray. Do you want to see a grizzly when you are hiking? Yes and no. <laughs> right? <laughs> Wonderful experience. Heart rate, awesome. A plus. Do I want to see one? No. I would be so anxious about that. And, you know, it's their land at the end of the day. You know, I don't want to be in their way because mm -hmm. that is their territory. I get it. You know, I don't want to have to put a bear in that situation. Never mind, like me in that situation. Um, but yeah, sooner or later this year, I will be out there. Yeah. You're, I mean, I definitely recommend some bear spray. It adds a level of slight anxiety when you are walking through areas that are covered with trees and, and, and bushes and, and the brush. And it's just, you don't quite know what's around the corner. Chances are nothing is there, but sure. you just never know. I remember when I was in Glacier, we were um, doing the trail. I was telling you about Grinnell Glacier Trail. And on the way back down, we heard rustling in a bush, probably 10 to 15 feet away, max. And we heard rustling. We just see the like the bush move, and we're just like, oh, uh, oh no, what's going on here? And all of a sudden, this I don't know if it's like a, a big horn sheep. I don't know what it's called, like the ones with the horns. Yeah. One of them stood up and just was like right out of the bush and was staring right at me. I was like, I don't know if this thing's aggressive or not. It made me nervous for a second, and then all of a sudden, six or seven of them stood up right behind them. It was like, ooh, I, I actually have video of this, and I took my phone out, started filming. And I started walking backwards. I was like, I really genuinely don't know if these things are aggressive or not. Wow. Um, they were cool. They, they just kept walking right along the trail. But, um, you know, if that was a grizzly, that's a completely different story. <laughs> so, <Absolutely. laughs> yeah, it is. It's a little nerve wracking when you go hiking in nature. So, yeah, Alaska, 100 percent Montana, for sure. I assume at some point, if you've never been the Tetons in Jackson Hole, have you been there? I have not grizzly country again. So mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but no, this is, uh, this has been a blast. Do you have any other tips or tricks for people looking to get started when it comes to traveling and traveling to national parks? I would say, um, know what you want ahead of time. So like if you want parks with great views, know that ahead of time. Um, know what parks that you want to go to and know your limits. There are a lot of parks such as Glacier where your average trail is gonna be five, 10, 15 miles. And if you don't want that, but you want the views, maybe think of a park like Tetons where you can see great views, but you can have a little bit of shorter hikes. You know, So it's just being cognizant of your limits and like what you want to do when it comes to traveling and plan around that. Um, give yourself an extra few hours in everything. Traveling is not going to go how you think it's going to go, especially when you go to big parks. You have wildlife everywhere. The amount of times we've been in a car just pile up, like waiting for wildlife to cross the road because <laughs> bison don't care about your time. You know, it's just like be able to be flexible, but um, know what you want because national parks are a different world. Like I said earlier, you know, these parks are 
the animal's home. They're mm. not home. They never will be, you know, be respectful of that and make sure to continue to be respectful of that. Stay on trails and things associated with that. So I have another question for you here too, is not just because you're a female, but I think that's going to help as well as traveling solo to these parks. Um, I know a lot of people in general won't travel solo and I understand the whole female perspective. You want to be safe, but is there a park or two that you would recommend and say, Hey, you know, I know you're solo, but you're going to be safe here. Sure. Um, I personally don't travel solo just due to the fact that uh, a lot of people around me want to travel. So if my husband doesn't want to come, I have great friends who would like to travel with us. Um, but a lot of parks in Colorado are extremely safe. So you go to Rocky Mountain in the Estes Park area. I would highly suggest that a lot of places that are so close to nature, but also so close to a city where, you know, you can give itineraries, you can tell hotels, Hey, I should be back at this time. Would you mind checking my room to make sure I'm there or I'm going to check back in with you giving itineraries to, you know, your loved ones to make sure they check in on you. Um, keeping GPS signals on satellites at all given times. So I would say places around Colorado are a great starting point. Black Canyon and the Gunnison is a great one, especially because it's so remote, but there's not many hard trails. So you're not going to be falling down cliffs if you don't get close, too close. Um, but it's also a safe trip. It's a safe park. You know, there's park rangers everywhere. Um, and just be cognizant of the trails that you go on. I would say as a female, um, especially when I'm traveling with other females, stay on more trafficked hikes. And that is something that I'm cognizant of. Um, the more people that see you, the more likely you're going to be recognized. Mm-hmm. And I, my mom probably thinks I'm crazy. So sorry, mom. But I was in uh, Shenandoah last weekend with my mom. And I say good morning to every single person that walks by me. And I'm always saying like, God forbid I ever go missing that person who I said good morning to could potentially recognize my face in the newspaper tomorrow morning. Be like, oh, I saw her at, you know, 1045 on this exact trail. So she had to be around here somewhere. She was very friendly, but uh, <laughs> let's hope that never happens. You just reminded me. Absolutely never. You reminded me of a time. Um, so I traveled to San Francisco for a work project and I went a day early so I can go to Muir Woods and go see the Redwoods out there. And that is when the government was shut down. So the park was closed. But I was like, forget it. I am all the way across the country. I freaking finally got out here. I'm going to see these damn Redwoods. So I parked the car along the side of some random road and I went into the woods and now off I went. And that was... uh I would do it again, but it was slightly nerve wracking because there was nobody working there, no rangers or nothing. People were not camping there and I lost cell service. So there was nobody that literally knew I was there. I was just like, I'm going to go here on my own time. And I went. And so I do not recommend that part. So make sure there is cell service wherever you go. If you're going to do something (laughs) like that, that was, uh, that was a little nerve wracking. Um, so wandering on the weekends, what what can we expect from you in the near future? Let's let's go over what you have planned, not necessarily just trips. Let's talk about the trips, but do you have anything else planned as far as content? Sure. So I my biggest thing is, you know, national park education. Um my captions are usually long and they discuss the history and the trails associated with parks. I feel like a lot of people growing up, if you 
were not used to hiking in nature. Like I wasn't, I didn't visit my first national park until I was 26. Um, you know, you don't know a lot about the park service or, you know, how respectful you can be as a hiker, um, as well as in nature, um, or just courteous to other hikers. And I think it's all about education. And that is, I guess, my biggest thing is educating people, not only on national parks, but hikes associated with national parks, other trails in the area, even if they're not in national parks, and just how to be a good citizen when it comes to hiking, which, um, I really respect when other people respect me as I'm hiking and the nature around it. And so we know we have Montana on the map and we have Alaska. What else is planned and or possibly in the works? Sure. So, so um, on Friday I leave and I'm headed to Colorado. I'm going to Rocky Mountain National Park for the second time. We're headed there this weekend. Do you um, ever, what makes you want to go back to a park and not go experience a new one? Do you ever kind of go back and forth on that? Yeah. So we've been to a few national parks that we, um, a few repeat national parks. So Rocky Mountain's one of them. Shenandoah I did a couple weekends ago. That was a repeat for us. Acadia I've been to a couple times, going to New River Gorge in a couple weeks, a couple times. That'll be my second time. Um, it's more or less about what I hit there and what I want to go back to see. Um, when I went to Shenandoah a couple weeks ago, my family wanted to go down and they were like, oh, we're planning a national park trip. Do you want to come? And it's a no-brainer. Of course, I want to come, you know? So if like other people want to see the area, I will gladly go there and be a gotcha. tour guide for in a heartbeat. Um, we, I have a close friend who just moved out to Colorado right around Rocky Mountain. So it was a no-brainer when she Makes moved out. Sense. She hasn't even been out there for like a month. And we're like, oh, we're headed out there. Let's go hiking, you know? So it's kind of just, we didn't get to see all we wanted to in Rocky Mountain. And now we have an excuse to see one of my closest friends and go to Rocky Mountain. I have family that lives in Wyoming. So we're getting a pit stop out there. Um, so that definitely helps. Uh, it, Like I said, it was our first national park, Rocky Mountain. Mm -hmm. And I did not have the ability to plan as well as I do now. So this time will be bigger and better. So keep going. What else is on your radar? I cut you off to ask that question. Sure. Um, we have Hawaii planned in October. We're going there for six days to hit the two national parks out there. Wow. Mm -hmm. Minnesota. We're headed to Minnesota in July. We're doing Isle Royale in um, Michigan and Voyagers in Minnesota. Um, New River Gorge. I'm hitting in a couple of weeks with one of my girlfriends. Um, so plenty lined up. In and the where can week. people follow you and your travels? Yeah. So wandering on the weekends on Instagram and uh, wandering on the weekends.com um, for blog related items, itineraries, um, places inside and outside of national parks. That's what a great follow. Honestly, seriously follow you. You know, there's, there's people that are just kind of like, you know, they have Instagram, but they're not doing much. You are very consistent, very constant. You go to incredible places with great information and very inspiring. I definitely look at your Instagram account. It's like, uh, I want to go there. <laughs> it's like, so I figure it out. How do I make that happen? And, uh, I love that, you know, you literally go to work all the time, but yet you do not make excuses to get out there. And so, you know, if people can't go see a national park or whatever, you're at least 
giving people inspiration, just get up and get moving and get out on the weekends and go do something productive, whether it's a park down the street, if you can hop on a plane and go do this over and over and over and over again, you can get up and you can go do something fun in your area and stuff. So it's uh, it's super cool. I I'm very envious of what you're doing. I, however, do not know if I can go through time zones that fast and, uh, and catch up. I would need to catch up on sleep so bad, but, um, Tell you what, I'm going to be following you for a long time. Please keep in touch. And shit, I've never said this before. If you want to get a drink, let's get a drink because you live right down let's the freaking get a road. Drink. We can get a drink. We can uh, definitely chat Alaska, chat Montana, yes. chat all the good stuff, and I'll have you back on soon. How's that sound? I would love that. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you for joining me on this episode, and we will be talking soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. You're welcome. Bye, Liz. Bye. Bye. Special thank you to Liz Bailey for joining me on this episode. Wow, is she making it happen or what? No excuses. I absolutely love it. And thank you for all for listening to this episode. I truly appreciate it. I also would really appreciate you subscribing, you leaving a review, and sharing this with your friends and family as I continue to bring out more great content. And that's it for this episode. I really appreciate it. And I'll catch you next time on the Pursuit of Happiness podcast.